0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Welcome back. Well... As U.S.-backed forces push ISIS out of their last remaining strongholds in Syria, as many as 5,000 alleged combatants and their families are being held in makeshift prisons and camps. And included in those are several dozen Canadians. And that includes at least two so-called ISIS brides who joined the caliphate and now want to come home, even though They're not even bothering to express regret. I think uh, one out of four perhaps expressed some regret for her actions. So what to do with them? Donald Trump has called on the allies to take these people back, even though he has instructed his own people not to allow one of those ISIS brides, a teenager from Alabama back into the country. Meanwhile, here, Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale has been saying that uh, bringing those people home uh, is not a priority for the government, and he isn't willing to risk the safety of Canadians canadian officials and diplomats to try to help these people out so what is going on with all of that and what do you think the numbers to call 416-360-0740 toll free one 866 740 and right now let's go to security and terrorism expert ross mcclain and also phil Gersky. hi there
0: well, hello
1: hi uh, Bye, Libby. Okay, let's start with Phil. Uh, you know, What do you make of this situation? Should we be taking these women back?
0: No, um, we don't have a legal obligation to do so. My understanding is that under the Charter, that if Canadians are abroad, uh, they have a right to return. These are Canadian citizens. And so if they make their way home, we have no choice but to admit them because they're Canadian. But I agree with the Minister, Libby, that I don't think we need to move heaven and earth to do so. People have have said there's been a moral obligation to do so. I'm not so sure on that. And I think I feel the way a lot of Canadians feel, that these people made their beds and it's time to lie in it. And my bottom line is that the crimes they committed were committed over there. And who are we as Canadians to demand that they be returned and not face justice in the country where their crimes were committed?
1: Uh, Okay. Uh, So presumably if they were capable of making their own way home, we would have to take them back, right?
0: Under the Charter, that's correct, yes.
1: Okay, but we're under no obligation to help them. Uh, Ross, where do you stand on this?
2: Well, I mean, Phil is certainly very very informed on a lot of this. You see, he's covered a lot of bases. There's there's obviously the uh, emotional and moral feeling that, as you said, they made their bed, they can lie in it and let them deal with it and do nothing to help them. However, we do have... It's not as simple as that, I believe, for dealing with it. It's clear that our laws are not set up to deal with these sort of situations uh, and our obligations. However, I think what we should be doing is perhaps coming up with some uh, new laws or new acts, not necessarily under the criminal code. I don't think it's the right place for it uh, for dealing with these people, because the 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 frank problem is they're a problem, and maybe Canada has to clean them up. Otherwise, they're going to be somewhere else. If it's our mess then maybe we need to clean it up. But we need to do it in a way that's consistent with how the public wants to have it dealt with. Uh,
1: One of the things is uh, that we've had a number of cases of returning fighters, and we're not that good at prosecuting them. Uh, It seems to be that the focus of the government is to try to turn them around. So why should we bring them back here where they might remain a danger? I mean, the thing that floored me about some of these women is that they won't say that they regret anything that they've done, except for maybe one of them.
2: Well, I think there's a reason why they're not saying they regret it, because they they don't really regret it. And, you know, the, the the reasoning that I have heard, I've seen reporting, and maybe Phil can confirm this, that the government has been talking about, well, look, it's very complex and resource-intensive to do these uh, prosecutions to deal with these people. So they're sort of using the it's uh, too complex and it costs too much to deal with it. But, look, there's an obligation here. Same as the Simon Wiesenthal Centre went through hunting down Nazis. These are people who are involved in the most heinous of crimes, and there's just no excuse not to have the resources or the time to deal with this correctly rather than let it sit out there. This is a real, I think, a real eyesore on civilization for the world.
1: Uh, is there a distinction, Phil, between the combatants and, and you know, what I saw cleverly uh, described as the ladies' auxiliary?
0: Yeah, you know, Libby, this is, a, and Ross raises a really good point. Um, the, the problem is, and, and Ross had referred to this, is can you build a case in Canada under the criminal code? Now, actually, it seems at one level pretty simplistic that and, and fairly obvious that they did leave the country to join a terrorist group. That's an offense under the criminal code. To prove anything beyond that, you have to have evidence from the field. So were they just, you know... Were they lookers? You know, were they what I call walkers or talkers? Well, they clearly walked, you know, they got their way over there. But did they take part in any kind of heinous crimes? We don't know that. and That's really hard to do. There's material support. That's more of an American term of use here in Canada. There are things we can charge them with, but it is labor-intensive. And I think one of the fears is, is that there's no guarantee that even those who claim they have, you know, recanted or, you know, admitted the error of their ways that they can, in fact, act as radicalizers down the road. So I think this is a really complicated issue. I don't think there's any easy answer for the government on this one. And I, I think we all know five years from now we're going to face a lawsuit from one of these people saying you didn't help me, and I was held in horrendous conditions in Syria and Iraq, and I'm going to sue you for a whole bunch of money. I think one of the other reasons we have to bear in mind this is an election year. And, uh, you know, Libby and I, you and I have talked about the Omar Khadr case last time I was on the program, and the government really took it, hard when uh, they paid all the money to Omar Cotter. You think the Trudeau Liberals want to bring back people that are are terrorists and who have burned their passports and hate our country in an election year? They're they're, they're ragging the puck on this one. They're kicking a can down the road and hoping it goes away.
1: That's a very, very good point. Ross, do you see a distinction between the combatants and the ISIS brides?
2: Uh, I really don't see a, I really don't see a distinction. In particular, the one Canadian woman who's over there, Libby, she has nursing skills, and she was online communicating to the man who would become her husband, and he said, oh, yeah, well, we need nursing skills over here in ISIS to deal with all the problems. So she was actually over there, uh, it would appear, uh, working and giving aid, comfort, and health care to these ISIS fighters uh, dealing with them. And if that's as much a part of the war as anything. So I really don't see the distinction. And once again... I don't think that our current laws are set up, even the world's laws, uh, criminal court uh, uh, tribunals, are set up to deal with these combatants who aren't really working for an assigned country under a flag wearing a uniform. And I think we need something to deal with this, rather than just saying, oh, well, they fall between the cracks. So let this open wound fester.
1: You know, I'm wondering if... Uh, some of these women are going to end up making some kind of case that they were abused. Uh, You know, to me, this whole thing where they would go off, they were locked up in these dormitories, they would be married off to a fighter until the fighter got killed and then to another and another. I mean, to me, I I don't see a big difference between this and sex trafficking. Phil?
0: Well, the, the big difference, Libby, is that, certainly from my experience working at thesis, is that, these were these were deliberate decisions on their part. If you chose to you know get your passport go to Turkey or go to Egypt or whatever get yourself into into Syria or Iraq the Darnest group you know what you were getting into right the propaganda was quite quite clear from the get-go. Did they suffer Probably did they have somehow have a change of mind? Probably but let's not get into this notion of why I was brainwashed or I was cajoled or I, I didn't know what I was getting into I, I reject that argument completely and lots, lots of people that I follow, analysts and other, you know, former security people like myself, I uh, agree with that, that this is not, this wasn't uh, a decision they took lightly. They made it deliberately and I think there's consequences for that. So, but as I said earlier, this is a really complicated issue and there's no easy answer to this.
1: Okay. Uh, let's take a couple of calls. We've got Carol in Kingston. Hi, Carol. Hi, Libby. Thanks for taking my call. You're very welcome. My My take on this is sad
3: for the children, but to me, this is a, a deliberate choice that this woman made, or many of them, and now because sort of, you know, the sky's fallen out, oh dear, dear, now I'll come to Canada, back to Canada, where things are easy. And who's going to support them when they get here,
1: them and their children? You know, that's a very, very interesting issue. I was reading uh, something uh, from one woman, and she said, Well, I've ruined my life, but, you know, don't inflict this on my innocent child. And she has a child from one fighter, and she's pregnant with the child of another. You know, that might be the American woman. I'm not 100% sure. But uh, that's the other thing. So they're teenage uh, mothers and uh, what are they going to do? They, they will be on the system well, for you know sure.
3: what? If, if you're old enough to have a child, you're old enough to get on your big girl pants and take your parental responsibility, and that's what those ladies need to do. I don't want to support them. How do I know they don't come back here and under behind are they still supporting ISIS? I don't know that. And I think if you don't think Canada's a good enough country for you, you shouldn't leave it and join something like ISIS and think that we'll say, oh, poor dear, and take you back.
1: Okay, Carol, thanks for that. You're welcome. Let's go to Mary in Burlington. Hi, Mary. How are you? Fine, how are you?
4: Not too bad, thank you. This ISIS bride's thing, whether they were born here or not, As long as they chose or knew, and they went to be with ISIS, they are the enemy of all of civilization. They should not be brought back here under any circumstance. And if they are, they should be placed in protective custody, meaning prison. No Special treatment or privileges should be accorded them. A traitor is a traitor is a traitor and I wish and hope Canadians would stand on their two feet and show some backbone. Enough is
1: enough. Okay, Mary. Thanks for that. We're going to take a break now, uh, but when we come back, we will have more with Ross McClain and Phil Gursky. The numbers to call before we go to break, 416 360 toll-free 866 740 and we'll be right back.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zuma Radio.
1: Welcome back. We are talking about returning fighters and their brides. And there are a number of Canadian ISIS brides who, well, hey, now they want to come back. Presumably with their children that they had. And we're talking about whether we should take them back. Should we take them back and... Uh, send them directly to jail, as some other countries are doing. Or is uh, Ralph Goodale on the right track when he says, not a priority to bring these ladies back? If you can call them that. Uh, then there is the whole question of revoking citizenship. Great Britain has been very aggressive in stripping these ISIS brides of their citizenship. That's also a complicated thing. What do you think, Phil, should we be trying to do that here?
0: I don't like the concept of of citizenship revocation because my understanding is that you can only revoke citizenship if it, first of all, you have to have another citizenship to to fall back on. You can't render a person stateless. And the Brits are seeing this right now with the, with Shimima Begum. She doesn't have any other citizenship. And the Brits claim, well, she's kind of Bangladeshi. Well, she's not really. The second thing is that my understanding of Canadian law is that you can revoke citizenship only if it was obtained fraudulently. And meaning that anything you do once you're a citizen, any crime you commit, you commit as a Canadian. So I I I've I've been on public record of, of not liking statistic revocation. I think it's the wrong way to go. And uh as I said earlier, uh, if they do come home, they will have to they'll come home as Canadians and then we'll have to see if we have the
2: evidence to bring them to court.
1: Uh Ross, do you have a view on that?
2: Well, um I mean I, I- Certainly, when someone goes off, and Phil knows this very well, when they join ISIS, they go through a whole process of taking their passport, burning it. They shoot a video of them saying that they're not denouncing their citizenship. They take part in ISIS. They're, they're actually over there committing war crimes. The problem is, because it's not a real state and it's not a real army, apparently the, uh, the war crimes courts don't have jurisdiction over these two areas. Uh, for dealing with it. And they're saying that the UN needs to make a change to the rules so that the uh, World Criminal Court for War Crimes can deal with it. But the UN, of course, is not going to do that for dealing with it at this point. So there is a problem of leaving people stateless. But if if we're not going to leave them stateless, then we need legislation here that deals with them in a different way. If it is terribly complicated to prove that they did something criminal over there, let's just make the penalties for going over there and joining Uh, big enough that it leaves the room that they could be I don't know, taken up to Baffin Island for the rest of their natural lives or some such thing. But we certainly have a responsibility to deal with the problem.
1: Well, I mean, one of the things that strikes me is uh, surely there should be a distinction in law between people like uh, the Rohingya Muslims who are persecuted and are stateless as a result of that, and then somebody who would become stateless because uh, they've turned their back on their country and become an enemy combatant.
0: I, I, I think this is a big issue, and Ross was raising just some good points again. That this is a very emotional thing, and, and I, like any other Canadian, I'm disgusted that someone would not just leave my country, but brag about it. And we've seen the videos how they made fun of all you know, thesis didn't catch me, who didn't catch me. Then they burn their passport on on video, as Ross said, and they they make fun of being Canadian, and then they threaten to attack Canada. So this is this is a t- obtain a real emotional. Level of living. I mean, this is really complicating things, and and I understand that emotional. I mean, I, I worked in it, I understand what these guys are all about, but there also there's a legal aspect, and I think one one proposal that I've seen raised in the past couple of days is the creation of a brand new court to deal with terrorists. So we have the International Criminal Court in The Hague. That's not quite the same thing, and so there's been talk about maybe we need a special court, which although it's going to take some time, it's not going to be it's not going to be created tomorrow. And this problem is we're, we're faced with this problem right now, so. It's uh, again, it's, we're, we're kind of caught the twigs in between.
1: Okay, uh, let's hear from Bob in Etobicoke. Hi, Bob. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Yeah, not bad. Uh,
5: I don't agree with it. we should bring them back. And if it wants to be tied up in court, I would mail, like some things to get anything done in this country it takes forever and a day. Well, as far as I'm concerned, they fly to come back to this country if we can't legally stop them. In time but we may be able to tie them up until they're pretty old before they would ever get here because I don't agree with bringing them back they left and it is a terror organization. They're probably running away because if uh, their chances of survival over there is not good. So what happens when the next group form? Are they gonna run to wherever they formed that group and see if they can win that war again? Uh, I don't agree with that. Like, and I don't agree with what our government has done. Like, for example, I'd love to see Omar Carter standing there drunk looking for a ride home. Oh, I give him a ride by the time he got out of my vehicle. He'd find that I've already crossed the border into Buffalo, and I'd dump him off there, let them worry about him, because he'd never get back here if I did that. I don't like those people there. Like, this is a good country. We try to treat everybody fairly. And why should we want to have our taxpayers paying for this kind of stuff. We don't want that. Okay, Bob. I don't want that. Thanks
1: for that. Okay, bye. Bye. Let's go to Joan in Oshawa. Hi, Joan. Hello, Libby. I
6: agree with Bob
1: and uh, I believe that um, they knew what
6: they were doing before they left here and they knew where they were going and they make fun of the Canadian people and our, our laws and everything else no we don't want them back here at all it's it's not it's going to do more harm to canada than good it's um uh it's going to show other terrorists from other countries that uh we're too weak and we can't allow that it's and it's not just that i mean it's It's the whole idea, I mean, Canada is a a great country, and we take in people that need to be taken in, especially those who are fleeing for their lives from other countries. But to take in people who deliberately thumb their nose at Canada, no, we can't allow that to happen. They need to be shown that Canada is strong and that uh, Canada... Will not uh, put up with those who turn their back on it, even if they were, even though they were born here. uh, It's still, that is not a a good enough reason to take people back to Canada when, goodness knows, they may start their own ISIS network over here.
1: Okay, Joan, thanks for that. Uh, So, uh, Phil, I think you uh, really. hit it on the head when you talk about bringing them back in an election year, because at the end of the day, we're talking about, um, if we're talking about the ISIS brides, it's it's a handful of women, but but it would just create a huge amount of anger. Uh, Ross, what do you say about that?
2: Well, I mean, certainly uh, politics are a part of it, but, you know, it's, it's funny how it goes. I mean, we hear the same thing with the talk about the southern border of the U.S., about how, about how horrendous it is from the left to separate children from families and women crossing the desert, and how can you leave them there? But up here, we're okay with leaving these people stranded over uh, in Syria and not doing anything for them. Don't get me wrong, I'm not for doing anything for them, but the hypocrisy is kind of right. But I certainly like the idea, which I was sort of touching on that Phil brought up, I think we need a new court to deal with international crimes. Uh, you know, in this day and age, there's a lot of them going on from the SNC-Lavalin right to these uh, ISIS brides and everybody else. When you commit crimes internationally, overseas, as a Canadian, uh, we need to have the proper laws and the courts to deal with them in in an efficient way.
1: And, uh, Phil, so uh, if uh, our consular officials don't get involved in this, then there's basically no way for these women to come back for the first thing, they don't even have travel documents.
0: Well, yeah, they probably burn them. Uh, yeah. If they can make their own way to a Canadian consulate, let's say in Baghdad or in Damascus or whatever, they could probably be given uh, what they call one-way special travel documents to come back. But I want to get back to a point that Ross made. He talks about the children, and, and, and you know, the children are a special case, and I, I have advocated that, the children uh, should be repatriated. They should also be put in, in, in this care of the state, because as far as I'm concerned, if you brought your kids to join Islamic State, you're not exactly a fit parent, as, as I see parenting. That may be very controversial, but, you know, the state takes away kids for all kinds of reasons, when when the child's welfare is in danger. And I think these, these, these children's welfare is in danger. Another interesting point, Libby, um, none of these women were calling to come back in 2014, 2015, were they? They want to come back now. Why? Because the Islamic State has is basically lost its territory, so it's only when you know the chips are down and things are not going well that they want to come home. So I, I just find it rather ironic that, and we've seen some cases of the people that don't have regrets of what they've done, but all of a sudden they want to come home because you know things aren't going so well. So
1: well, obviously, as well. yeah. Okay, so uh, a complicated issue that I'm sure we will be talking about more. Thank you so much, Phil Gursky from Borealis Threatened Risk Consulting and security and terrorism expert Ross McLean. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks,
3: Libby.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.